Welcome everybody to Views from the Bridge, a Philadelphia Union podcast. I am your host in an emergency situation, I guess. Um, I'm Justin Ashcraft. Joining me tonight, Chuck Booth, Cat Jr. is are here. Uh, and Evan is out of commission due to a micro USB cable mishap. Yeah, we, um, we've been beaten by moving and technology. Yes, that's yeah, right. Well, technology is slowly is slowly prohibiting us from creating successful podcasts. I mean, I guess the benefit is he's in his new place, and so we can... That could be a positive, and then we'll go from there. Every, everyone wish Evan happy moving. Happy moving and uh, healthy micro-USB cables. Honestly, after talking, trying to talk him through that um, ordeal... I hope there's a new computer in the card soon. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a, that's probably a true statement too. Uh, well, happy Easter, guys, and uh, happy Philadelphia Union win. Uh, so we uh, witnessed a nice afternoon game this week uh, with uh, Montreal and um, a nice three to nothing win. I think there's pretty much we could start there. I mean, it's a nice win, good solid win. What do you guys think? Passes the eye test. Um, when it, you play one of the better defensive teams in the league, and then you beat them three nothing with going down to ten men, job well done. Not to mention the fact that they basically came out and showed their hand early, saying we're not going to really try to build up and attack you guys. We're mostly just going to sit back and try to counter the hell out of you. Uh, the Union pretty much just punched them in the throat. Um, the attack was consistent. It was fluid. The build-up was great. Building over the over the top was great. Uh, Montreal simply never looked like they were going to take this game in any sense i think they were content with that and the union basically just called their bluff and hit them pretty hard yeah yeah i think that's true i mean i think they're anytime you can score three goals i think it's good um and i think the pressure was good um obviously some things to talk about from that game we had three goals in the game Corey burke uh, Montiero and Bedoya with the second half goal. Um, so we have goals to talk about. We have an injury to talk about. We have a red card to talk about. Uh, let's start with the goals. Um, I guess, I mean, three decently solid goals. I mean, Montiero, you, penalty, confident, easy look. You know, Corey Burke with a long long goal and Bedoya with another one so I mean how do you what what was your favorite what um, what goal did you guys like number one so does this mean that we can take Marco off penalties uh, uh yeah that, that <laughs> I be, think that'd be nice I, I think it might be a pipe dream because I genuinely do believe that part of um Marco being on this team is that he is going to be on penalties but as of right, at this point in the season, there is every reason to take him off, especially considering that the union have become adept at drawing them. Uh, the Corey Burke goal I'd like to talk about for a second, just because 
it looked like in Montreal defending that, that they were basically like, hey, you're not going to shoot from there. You can't finish. And then he just said, fuck you. I was true, I true. was sitting behind, I was behind the net when uh, the goal was scored, and it was funny to see how far they were actually playing off of him. But his touches were were pretty long leading up to the goal. It's not like he was really like just trying to dribble with the ball. It looked like he was trying to build up a stride to shoot. But Montreal, yeah, you're exactly right. They're basically gone. That's cute, but like you're not gonna do it, boy. And he put it exactly where Evan Bush could not get to it. And it really didn't look like from my angle that there was a whole bunch of pace on the shot. But, man, it, it was enough. It was enough to get in there. I think that was definitely the most the most quality goal of the day. Uh, I think Montero's confidence definitely uh, got boosted a bit in the style of penalty that he took. It was not Panenka level, but it was it was good. It was solid. Definitely read the keeper like all the way. He def he jumped before he took the shot, so Montero had that read the whole way. And Bedoya's you know, his lurking ability in the box, we've been saying it all year long that he's kind of needed to do a little bit more in pressing forward in the attack. Um not necessarily being a winger, but just making those runs in there with uh, Aronson. And it showed that he was lingering around the six-yard box. And if he wasn't there, that was a missed sitter. A sitter for Corey Burke. That right. irritated me in itself because that that puts you back at Corey Burke level of last year. Where he's scoring every, you know, every game <laughs> here in and out. But... Man, your captain bailed you out, Corey Burke. Good for you, man. But still, Corey <laughs> Burke had the best goal of the day. Just saying, you yeah. could have had two, sir. <laughs> what? It's so uh, it's amazing to me that Corey Burke does score, which we've been asking him to do, and we're still criticizing him for not scoring the second one. Never uh, content. It's... Never content. It's just <laughs> when you're a striker, you're expected to score every easy chance presented to you. Right. And right. anything above that is gravy. That first right. goal was the gravy. The second one was what he was supposed to hit. One thing that I found funny is that um, one is that Evan Bush faced uh, three shots on target, did not save a single one. And uh, that two, the best union goalie in the league. Only, the union only took. Four registered shots in the entire game. But what's funny is their build their buildup was still good the entire game. It looked productive. It looked positive. I, it was. It. I mean, they it's didn't easy need to the look shots. Productive and positive when the other team's just not going forward. Yeah, I mean, I there was, was a bit of pressure there on their part as well. Definitely oh, when it comes to them building I mean, up through the midfield, but. It, yeah, it's not that Montreal wasn't going forward because they didn't want to. Montreal wasn't going forward because they literally could not get build up. Because, like, Montiero was pressing, Burke was pressing, Bedoya was pressing, Ilstino was pressing. Like, from top to bottom, everyone knew their role, executed it well, and that's why I'm so angry that was a red card. 
Uh, it's, I'm also angry that we're talking so positively about a game that El Seno started. <laughs> hey, if we can play around El Seno, that's a great thing. Yes, it is. Yeah, but we yes, le- we left Casper, Fafa, and David on the bench for El Seno. It just leaves me to beg the question, do we need to build around El Seno? Or is Jim Curtin just simply choosing to do so? El Seno still has a role as a decoy because he does so much with the ball that defenses have to respect him. Yes. Um, on okay. the flip side is the fact that David Akam can do those things. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not going to fully claim to understand it because I can't, but I'll give Jim Curtin the benefit of the doubt as long as this team keeps winning. I mean, I think the reality, too, like, it's a long season. And, like, we haven't got into the crazy weeks, you know, where there's a midweek U.S. Open Cup game and two games every, you know, on, on a weekend on either side. You know, like, we haven't got into this, like, time of the season where things are crazy. So, like, right now, I would say, like, yeah, you put your best lineup out there. And I think that includes David Akam, obviously. But I think, like, the reality is I if, – if we can put El Senior out there – and let David Akam sit for 90 minutes, and then we can start a fresh David Akam next week or, or whatever, like, I'm all for that right now because I think the less we can tire our guys out now, the better they're going to be through the long stretch of the season since this team seems to know how to play in Open Cup games but not playoff games. What I will, what I will give Jim credit for, and this is, you know, I'm giving Jim credit, uh, Jim Curtin, the credit he deserves by saying we didn't necessarily need to stretch Montreal thin by going over the top and spreading them out because we knew they were going to be compact. Maybe, maybe they knew that they were going to be compact and they could just build up with their passing and the distribution. So if Jim Curtin did recognize that and made the choice to start Il Signo over a speedier option, then you just earned yourself coach of the week, my dude, because you, you're you absolutely right. If you can rest those quick strikers in these upcoming games and, you know, give this team the fresh legs they need in the attack, you have done your job as a coach very well. Yeah, I'd say that, especially considering that in this Vancouver game, you'd like to have David Akam at full fitness due to the fact that this this game could become a track meet. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um so the goals were good. There was an injury to Andre Blake, which Matt Freeze got his We could also call this the game of debuts, uh, you know, all across the board. Um but Matt Freeze got his first 36 minutes of MLS action with uh, the Andre Blake injury. How do we feel about Andre Blake? This could be an interesting twist to our season. It's Andre Blake's fault that he got hurt. <laughs> On that note. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the stone cold cracking of the beer, Chuck. Let me, let me, go, let me just go ahead and paint you a picture. I'm sitting behind the net when Andre Blake gets hurt, okay? 
I've watched him take a goal kick from the same dirty, chippy patch of grass seven times in a row before he tweaks his groin on kicking the ball. Now, the turf had already come up beforehand at that point, yet Andre Blake decides to keep kicking from between the posts there, despite the fact that the line in the six-yard box extends a little farther past that. You can pretty much set up anywhere on that line if you choose to do so, but he's so not confident in his ability striking the ball on goal kicks that he's found comfortability being inside the net. That's his running up motion. Now, Matt Freeze comes into the game. A goal kick ensues not a minute later. He takes a goal kick from the exact same spot as Andre Blake did when he got hurt. And the first thing you can do, you can go back and watch the video on this. Matt Freeze takes the kick and looks immediately back at the spot. Looks immediately back because he knows that the turf is the turf in that area is not good. Yet Andre Blake did it six or seven times before he hurt his groin on that one. It's Andre Blake's fault. I love you, Andre Blake. It is your fault that you got hurt, and I think that it is your distribution on your goal kicks is decent enough that you don't need to constrain yourself to that horrible <sighs> patch of grass at Talon, Talon Energy Stadium. It's decent in his comfort zone. It is not decent overall. As we are not going to pretend that Andre Blake is even an okay distributor of the ball. Because last year, most of his issues were with playing the ball out of his own net. Um, I'm not going to go as far to say it's Andre Blake's fault. Just due to the fact that I could understand his comfort zone. But it is the team's fault that Andre Blake is hurt because there shouldn't be so many events going on on this pitch. Especially when it's, you know, puzzle pieces of the field that are coming up and you're having to play the ball away from that area to almost distract your fans from the fact that people are running onto the field to, like, put the grass back down. Like, push it back down. As if that's going to do anything just pushing grass back down yeah it's pretty bad when you see the goalkeeper like grab a whole piece of turf and like throw it back into the goal like that's not a good look for this team or the field or the front office or the groundskeepers um but not a good look but they're gonna host a lacrosse game now yeah the lacrosse championships because they don't tear up the field when they play so it's wonderful because Playing lacrosse, lacrosse goalies literally the box in front of the goal is useless. <laughs> I've literally, yes. I've literally seen where te- teams have had to replace just that box. Actually, the Union have done that before because they've had lacrosse games there. Yeah, um, yeah. they've had to mm-hmm. have a random box of turf in the middle of the field because it was completely torn up due to lacrosse, and it's just like. This is one of the moments where I wish that Ernie Stewart was still with this team because he wouldn't have this. No, he would not. He was. This is coming from the guy who was yelling at eight-year-olds last year during the halftime matches. The kids are going too hard on the field and the pitch is falling apart. I couldn't believe Ernie Stewart was out there yelling at yelling at the guy coordinating those events. But 
when you have a field like this, you kind of need to take care of it. And I don't think that getting this extra money from the professional lacrosse league or the professional rugby league or the you're, random you're, you're rock concerts. You don't want Nick that, Sakowitz back in the um, back in Talon. Uh, there's not a restraining order against him from returning. I feel like he's going to find a way in during that game. <laughs> Don't tell the sons of Ben. No, please tell them. Come protest, because this is bullshit. Actually, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. This is a public service announcement. <laughs> Show up to this game. Yeah. So, Nick Sackowitz, if you're listening to this podcast, do not come to the game at Talon Energy Stadium. Do not. No, dude, dude, show up. <laughs> show up and see how it goes. Just see how it goes. Um, Let's see how big of a man you really think that you are and show up. Oh, geez. Uh, um, I mean, when... That's not a threat, by the way. It's That escalated quickly. At, at this point, <laughs> I will... If someone walked, marched into the stadium with a coffin and wanted me out, I'm damn sure not coming back. That's true statement. True statement. Well, Chuck, we have our first, uh, maybe, I don't know what you call it, against Kai Wagner mm. for Rookie of the Year. Uh, although he did have an assist in the game, so I don't like I don't even know what to do with this game. It's not like he uh, played bad-ish. Uh, but red card in the 90th minute, which obviously mm, look is at a Chuck. Problem. Look at Chuck right now; he's defeated, hands over his face. No. Can't even believe it. I'm, I'm not even mad at Kai. No, no, no I'm not. No, no. I'm not I'm mad just, at him either. I'm just very disappointed. <laughs> Listen because, to that. Do so, you hear that, Kai so, Wagner? Your father is no, so no. disappointed in you. <laughs> no, no, no. I agree with you, Chuck. Like I'm disappointed and. We're probably disappointed for different reasons. Maybe not, but, like, we're disappointed. I'm disappointed, one, that you're up to nothing at the end of the game. You just don't – you don't need to go into that challenge. Two, like, that's a red card every time, but it's, like, unavoidable. Like, there's no way to not get that red card. No, I mean, we're actually disappointed for the exact same reason. Because, like, literally, even if he doesn't go for the challenge and happens to give up a goal – like, so be it. We're dominating them. We still have a very good shot of winning the game. And, like, I get wanting to preserve the clean sheet, but if your options are that and just tackling someone, fucking tackle them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Tackling, you just get a yellow, but going straight studs, you're going to get a red, and there is no way around it. And this is one of the points when it's like, Unfortunately, we are no longer in the German third division because you could probably get away with that there, but you're not going to get away with that here. That said, I am a little proud that his feisty German side came out just a little bit. Like he's been so, no, no, he's no. been I mean, so composed and so the, fi- the, so the clean Philadelphia and... and all of us is very happy with this. Mm, yes, yes, indeed. But the one thing that really concerns me is the fact that. He will very likely not only miss the Vancouver game. Yeah, we're we're definitely looking I, at two games. I don't I don't think so. It wasn't it was not no a harsh it was, no one likes us. 
thinks is <laughs> no it's true i mean that's true i don't I, I still don't think it was that i don't think it was that harsh of a challenge that it deserves an extra game suspension i think like he went in he did get the ball so it wasn't like he slid in late it wasn't like he slid in viciously he should like he slid in studs up got the guy's ankle that's a red card but he did get the ball and so i think like via that you can see that like that was not he was not attempting just to slide through the guy yeah in in theory it was just a tackle that went wrong with no ill will meant towards the attacking player um you look at the situation like um the other the other disciplinary actions that happened in MLS this week, Kaku only got two additional games for almost trying to destroy a fan with a ball. So when you look at all the other uh, instances around the league, I don't necessarily see him getting anything else. But just like Chuck said, we haven't been super lucky in our uh in our instances with the disciplinary committee. So I mean I'm hoping I'm hoping right. that Donnie Allocation Bucks will hope that they owe him they owe us something. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, if if Wagner's not able to go for two games, it now becomes not just a really short sighted issue, but it could really set back a decent chunk of momentum for Philly I mean the next, next two the, games. The next the next two games are Vancouver and Cincinnati. So not it necessarily isn't, isn't the strong end of the world, opponents, but, but we definitely want Kyle Wagner to be healthy sooner than later because him being out leads to another big issue of who's gonna play left back. We have an academy kid. We do, but do we really <laughs> trust him with playing that position? Yes. Um, I don't. I don't know because the answer to because that. why I mean, sign him to a homegrown contract in the first place if he's never going to ever ever see well, the field? Number one, yeah, but is Tanner Burke has been playing him sign him for this. It's true, and Brendan um, Burke has been playing him at center back more. So. Played at center back this past week for this deal, so... I See, this is when it gets tough. Because I think that what is most likely in this situation is that Ray Gattis flips sides. Because he's shown that he can play left and right. And that um, Mbizo finally makes his debut at right back. Which probably means a... Um, Fabinho bench siding. He was on the bench. He, was, for, on he the... was on the bench for this game, so I don't see why not. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not looking at the full lineup. Just um, the starting eleven and substitutes actually used. That's very irresponsible yeah. of you, Chuck. You should do your the, homework more. I'm just, I'm just messing used... with you, man. On it, honestly, the, the only important thing that Fabinho has done this year is scoring Bethlehem, and. <laughs> I'm sure he's being a great player coach in Bethlehem right now. <laughs> yes. Well, so that's pretty much that game other than our most favorite internet award. 
Uh, the Conceição. Who oh, it, are we awarding our Conceição? Uh, this is tough because I, I do love our fans for taking the initiative to give it to an inanimate object this week, a.k.a. We the wait, turf. wait until the end for... Hmm. You, I was going to say wait until the end for the fans' decision, but... Yeah, no, nah, because nah, I, I kind of don't agree with the fa- I think the worst performance it put out today or this past game was from Evan Bush. It was just glaringly terrible. I know we normally don't give it to opposing players, but man, was he bad. Not to mention, very whiny, very uh, <laughs> little temperamental at some point in the game, getting a card for time-wasting and acting out. Uh, uh, he was the most entertaining goalie in that game, and there was three of them, which is something you can't say very often. <laughs> you're you're not wrong. Um, I mean, he may not have had the worst performance in the game, but I've got to give it to Kai Wagner as a do-better, stop-making-these-challenges because you put yourself out of contention for this next game, a la Austin Trusty last game, and we need you. You are really bringing the hammer down on your son. This is exactly. <laughs> it's, it's all about it's all about tough love here on Views from the Bridge. <laughs> I think I would agree with you. I think we talked about. I mean, we talked about it at length last week with Trusty, but I think the reality is, anytime you do something like that that pulls your uh like pulls you out of contention for the next week and i think like it was almost the exact opposite situation last week like we were completely out of that game last week this game we're winning the game and like we can cruise for the next however many minutes of stoppage time till we finish the game like you don't need to make that challenge um and you don't need to go in recklessly for sure so yeah i'd have to agree with you not because of his play all game, he did have an assist. Yeah, and so I mean, not because of that, but just because of one one play can kind of ruin things for and, you. And I'm still gonna get my parlay kit customized with his with his name and number, even after he got sent off during the game wearing it. <laughs> Every time you wear it, it's like remember and learn from your mistakes, my son. Oh, I need to send him something with me wearing it. There you go. Do better. Go. Do better. Do better. I can play sports I, better. I think I can agree with that. It's it's fair enough. Challenge was um, unnecessary. Uh, but Evan Bush, you're the worst goalkeeper of all time. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the other nominee for a second? Oh uh, yeah! Quick shout out to Elsino for just existing and making the way into his poll. <laughs> Uh, I mean, in a three nothing win, um, not doing anything is enough to put you in the poll. Because everyone did something. Oh, actually, there is one thing too that um, we didn't discuss in the game review: the debut of one Casper Shaboka. Oh my goodness, guys! My, my he's really <sighs> here. He's here, and his hold-up play looks wonderful. I'm talking shades of Prime Sapong, but he's even bigger than that. 
Yeah, he is a tower of a man. But his passing was so quick too. He was receiving the ball and like the one, the one, two movements in the triangle with him up top. Uh, just being able to hold off defenders, man. I, I, I thought using him in FIFA was just a fluke. It was just a matter of his size and just stats combination in general made him a lock. But man, I, I really like the way he, he plays. Yes, and it'll be interesting in a minute when we get in those lineup decisions how that gets decided going forward. But I think like it is good signs. I mean, I think we saw obviously we saw several debuts with uh, Freeze, with Shabilko, with um, Aurelian Collin getting a start. You know, um, with oh my uh, god, you it's... know appendectomy to Mark McKenzie, but you know, no one's skipping a game for an appendectomy, but. Guys, Colin also sure. had an amazing game. Like, if we had a really good award, I mean, if we had a Collins. really good award, uh, the exact opposite of a Conceição, I would have given it to him because there were so many times where Montreal, there was a pass, and I'm going, oh, wow, that's going to break through. Nope, Colin's right there. He read he read every attack they could throw at him. I mean, looking at the, the award... Um, Shouts that we got, that would probably be the uh, Silver Sergio Santos. Ah, yes, that's right. Thank you so much to all the Twitter users for sending us these incredible names. Chuck, you want to rattle off a few of those? They are they're pretty good. Um, I'll rat- rattle off all the ones not by Duper Scooper. Uh, ah, yeah, it's all good ones. <laughs> We got the Titanium Trusty, Potassium Peacock, Beryllium Blake, Aluminum Arlen, Cobalt Corey Burke, Iron Elsinio, Al Kyline Wagner, Sodium <laughs> Sergio Santos, and Aluminum Aristigata, Carbon Caddick, Ruby Ribeiro, and then the Platinum Shabilko, and Vibranium Vittoria. Man, man, you reached on a lot of those. That's that's some good. That's some good. That's some good ones. I'll take it though. I'll take it though. That's called that's called participation in the show. I like it. Beautiful. Everyone gets a participation trophy this week, and it's all named after a precious metal. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So that's pretty much the game. Uh, Kat, you have a you have a special for us this week. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, this is the first installation of what I would like to call, and I hope you guys are just at, uh, on board with it, Shout It From The Bridge Top. Just talking like to it. all the fans. Uh, yeah, some, some before, some after the game. It's kind of a quick compilation of, uh, I basically propose the simple question, what do you think of the team right now? Uh, and it was pretty positive. It put me in a decent mood just to see so many people. Uh, definitely a diverse crowd. Went up to a lot of tailgates. Uh, was greeted by a few swears and a few uh, who the hell is this guy. But I think it went pretty well. So uh, let me go ahead and cue that up for the people. Fun to watch. 
Fun Energy. to watch. Exciting. Yeah. Just like any excitement in the stands. Young guys look good out there. Moving the ball well. They were working together. Um, Kai Wagner has been doing a great job this year. Uh, I like that. We finally changed our system for the first time in how many years? It's been a while. We actually have two forwards that can win a couple goddamn games. It's wonderful. Good? Mm -hmm. Is it fun to watch? Yeah. You gonna keep coming back? Yeah. I'm loving how we're pressing. We're playing more of a, an aggressive game. We're not we're not sitting back behind the ball as much. Burke needs to work on it. The back the side foot. That's, other than that, they were doing fantastic. <laughs> I told that one guy he sucked a lot, and that was my favorite part. Goalkeeper? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was Evan Bush, yeah. Yeah. That was the best part the entire time. I was telling how much he sucked. Uh, phenomenal. With a pH. <laughs> Beautiful. I like the way we possess, and we just keep it, and we pick our chances to go forward. Instead of just dumping and running and trying to, like, just at a whim. Actually, it looks actually choreographed. Like, yeah, we'll just do this, do this. And then all of a sudden, we're at them, and we're at the throws. It's awesome. Yeah. They're winning. Opportunistic. Phenomenal. Courageous. Ooh. That's awesome. Yeah? It's awesome. I love it. That was great teamwork. Great passes. It's awesome. It's fun. It's fun to watch. It's fun to be there. So fun and amazing. Those refs I'm not so sure about. Me neither. Yeah. I like Aronson. He's like just like an all-around great player. I just feel as if, you know, they're getting more, I don't want to say they're getting more serious, but just more aggressive and it was just exciting to watch just how they're playing so yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, union fans are fun clearly enjoying what they're seeing uh, some <laughs> definitely are enjoying the tactical approach and some are just enjoying the fact that this team is winning games so I, I really did enjoy walking around to those uh, tailgates and talking to people. We'll definitely be doing it more often. Uh, we love to hear from you guys, and uh, yeah, that was fun. That was that. Those were the fans shouting from the bridge top. That's cool. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much for doing that. All right, guys. Well, moving forward, uh, we have a game coming up this Saturday against Vancouver. Uh, so it is going to be an interesting week as we lead up to this game but we have lots of things to talk about kind of going forward when we think about lineups when we think about people when we think about injuries a lot of things going forward so um we did get a question about lineups so as you kind of think ahead to this game who who's in this lineup uh we still have people out. We still have cards, you know, green cards and visas and stuff to worry about and then We've got injuries to worry about. So, where are we going with this lineup? Uh, well, interesting uh, proposition brought up by someone with uh, the question of who do we start in goal now that Blake is foreseeably out for two weeks. I believe it was right. It'll probably be right around there. It seemed mostly like a groin strain. He was able to walk all the way to the. Uh, to the opposing end and get himself off the field. So, you know, the next two games or so, you're looking at a back line that'll have a couple moving parts in it that's different from what we're used to this season and the actual goalkeeper themselves. Um, I think... You believe in your talent that you've brought up, and I think Freeze 
did well in controlling the back line. He was very vocal with the back line and um he was seeing the game like a quarterback, you know, getting telling people to get in their spots and everything. He seemed supernatural being in the goal and I just don't think that you need to waste that international spot with Colonel um in these next couple games, especially since you're gonna be shorthanded in the midfield potentially with Fabian being out. Uh, definitely with the fullbacks because of suspension slash injury. And yeah, I, I, I just think it's I think it's freeze. I think it just seems like the simple option. Yeah, I I think this is actually gonna be a pretty interesting lineup because to free up international spots, you've got a few different options. Um, I think Fabian goes on a rehab assignment this week so that he doesn't need to actually count as an international spot, which um, opens the door for Shabilko to stay with the team and honestly, hopefully get a start. Like, I wouldn't be too surprised if the preseason pairing of Shabilko and David Akam ends up coming back in this game because I think that would absolutely torment Vancouver. Yeah, I, I, that's that's who I was going to say I think would want to start for this game up top. Um, I also agree with the fact that Matt Freeze probably gets the start just because... Like, while, while Carlos was brought in to be that keeper during the Gold Cup, that's a different scenario than right now because during the Gold Cup, we don't have to worry as much because we're so short-staffed. But realistically, if you had to pick between Carlos and Mbizo and who you're going to have active this week, it's Mbizo. Yeah, you need Mbizo. Yeah. You need that uh, flexibility in the back. And then the midfield's not going to change from the last game. You don't think they go a little more defensive-minded? with uh, Against maybe, what? Uh, true. Yeah, true. No, you're right. Um, <laughs> literally, Vancouver has Huang and Boo and Boem, and then, like, a shell of Freddie Montana. Right. Yeah. Um, like, I'm not too worried about their midfielders trying to masquerade as forwards. Because unless you give them a set piece, they're just not a very dangerous team. Yeah, and I think the other thing, I mean, the other thing you're talking about there is you're going to get Trusty back this week. So you get, you, you go back to your pairing of Trusty and Elliot, um, who have been solid all season. So I think, like, putting Freeze behind them. I'm not too worried about that. I think you're looking at two good center backs who um, are able to um, play decent enough defense most of the time um, that they're going to protect Freeze for the most part. So I I don't see any reason to go away from Freeze, and I think this is all just good experience at this point too. I mean, I think like we're still early enough in the season where if you put Freeze in and you lose a game and you have to go back to Cornell next week, like, big deal um i think you i think you do it now and see what happens to see what you have uh coming down the line you know because i think you have bigger 
you have bigger questions to answer this later this summer. So I think that that is probably a smart move. Um, I think we talked about this a little off air, but where do you see the fullbacks going? Is it, does Gattis flip sides? Does Mbizo start? Does Real come up and start? Like, who are you? Who would you want to see? I think Chuck was very accurate in saying that Jim Curtin probably trusts Gaddis on the left rather than bringing in Real uh, without any first-team experience right now. But I, I don't know. It's tough to make an argument for Matt Real right now just because there's such a small sample size of him actually playing in a similar system to what the Union are doing as a left back. Um, And, yeah, I I think it's just got to be Gaddis and Baizo. Um, There's a dynamic dynamic aspect to Mbizo's play that will definitely complement the way the midfield has been playing as of late. Uh, Yeah, that's... And it's funny, it's such a change from the beginning of the year where we didn't even want Ray Gaddis on the field, but now I'm saying that the sturdier option, instead of playing a young, promising U-20 homegrown talent, is just put Ray Gaddis on the other side. Screw it, we can't put him on the right, let's just put him on the left. I mean, he's done quite a lot to um, redeem himself. And also, for a change, I just have faith in Jim Curtin to pick the right roster. Like, the biggest thing... What? What? Hey, I've been almost a Jim Curtin apologist for the past year and a half at this point. And once Ernie Stewart left and Curtin started putting out more interesting lineups near the end of last season. The first thing I said is, what if it was Stewart holding Curtin back? And you're looking at it now where Tanner's basically saying, here are the players, do what you want with them. And he's doing enough tactical nuances to um, put out the right lineup to start the game and even change the game from substitutions. So like... this point in the season, when you're one point off first place in the East, even though um, Toronto does have two pl- two games in hand, like just let the guys play. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think the only like the only thing that you could throw in there for Real is Real has the ability to play center back. So if you would have to go to a three bat three at the back in a late game losing situation or something like that. Uh, you know, that might be a different option rather than Gaddis or somebody like that trying to play center back. But um, I don't, I, I agree with you, Chuck. I think, like, I do trust Curtin at this point to make the right choices, and I think he has been making the right choices. I do just think all the, all the you know, the injury to Santos, the injury to Fabinho or Fabian, the, um, you know, the red card to Wagner, the, international spot conundrum all of that just provides a lot of challenges for Curtin as he goes forward in choosing those lineups um that being said I I'm not I'm not scared that he's going to make the wrong decision all that much so that is a different feeling for sure 
We've definitely come a long way. We have. We have. Well, anything else from you guys that we need to address or think about? Um, not that I can think of, honestly. No. All right. Cool. Well, we're looking forward to. Uh, we're looking forward to the Vancouver game on Saturday. I did read an article right before we got on air about the U.S. under-20 World Cup roster, and they were talking about McKenzie. Who was it? McKenzie. And they were like, well, if the Philadelphia Union cooperates and allows him to leave, I was like, I don't know that they have much choice. Like, we're looking at... Well, they they didn't let him go to, like, something for the U-20s earlier. I mean, and at this point, like... I mean, they'd let him go for the World Cup. Yeah. And also, as long as two center backs aren't out at the same time, the union will be fine. But it's just that both McKenzie and Rail would be on that roster. It does hurt. Yeah. Well, and the the thing was like, uh, like if stuff starts happening, um, you know, injuries would happen at any point, like, there could be a chance that they could come after Aronson too. Now the under twenty team does have like Paxton Pomacall, several other players who play those same. Yeah, there's like fifty ten positions. Don't touch Aronson. But <laughs> but they were just saying like if if Aronson keeps playing the way that he does, and if an injury would happen to Pomacall or something. But I will say it's pretty amazing. In that, I think it's pretty amazing that we are like early early into twenty nineteen and even talking about the under 20 team there's three union players that are being mentioned for that team i think that's just a sign of good things to come like whether real is there for the long term or not the union have done a good enough job in developing him to um be a player that that the u.s under 20s can can use and generally rely on for two spots on the roster so i think that that's that's a good sign and then i think Aronson and McKenzie are obviously good players that have contributed to the union already. So I think that that's just a good sign for the future in what the union are doing with the academy. It's nice to see it's not even just at the U20 level. All the U17 choices for them, the U15 choices for them. You just see all these kids coming coming up and it's one after another that are getting selected from the union's academy. It clearly is a testament to whatever's going on at the YSC academy. The great instructors yep. over there, great coaches over there, and one of the strongest infrastructures in the country for a soccer academy. So hats off to them because it's not just the first team on the field product. You're seeing it with all the kids in this academy coming Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Well, that's all from us. We ha- um, have the – we had our first – Shouts from the Bridge Shop uh, episode. We did a lot in this episode, so lots of good things coming up. Um, we have this game against Vancouver on Saturday. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for being a part of um, this early, you know, our first season. Um, and all the feedback that we're getting, all the responses that we're getting to our tweets and, and everything like that. So um, if you guys have things that you want to talk about, things that you want us to talk about, questions that you have, please hit us up on Twitter. Uh, VFTB pod 
on Twitter. I said it right, Evan. Um, just so you know. Evan can't save you now. You all know that's directed at me. It's fine. I can say it right too. Um, at VFTB Pod on Twitter. So hit us up there with any questions that you have. Thanks for our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at RoughneckScarves.com. Go check out the BGN fam over at BGN.FM. That's where you can find our kind of page. Um, but there are lots of MLS, USL uh, podcasts over there. So if you want to find out what's going on in American soccer, um, especially at the USL level, go over and check us out at the BGN.FM. Head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, subscribe to our show. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. For the views from the Bridge Cast, Chuck Booth and Cat Jr., thanks for joining us. Later. Bye.